This podcast is not meant to be informative or educational and has the potential to be completely irrelevant. This is Property Jam. Welcome to this episode of Property Jam, the podcast where we talk about everything on the human side of property. And today, I mean, this is messing with my brain because <laughs> I'm back. Of, you're back. Yay. So hang on a minute. Wait now, because you're back. But Matt's gone. Oh, yeah. Matt's not here. Oh, there's <laughs> someone missing. <laughs> what happened? I think, I think basically what happened is he was jealous that I've had some time off. So he's like, I want time off, too. Totally. And he's a, being a bit of a drama queen. So I don't want to say it's man flu, but you tried the man flu thing and, you know, we all went along with it. And now he's claiming the man flu thing. So, yeah. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, for Matt not to turn up to something like this or to be even able to go to one of the events we ran on Thursday, um, just really says how bad he is for him not oh. to turn up. So, yes, sending you love, Matt. Get better soon. And He's pretty much got what I had, so he can't speak very well. He's coughing a lot and um, feeling sorry for himself. <laughs> Definitely is. Like he left a voice note, didn't he, on our uh, WhatsApp group this morning, and he did sound pretty disgusting. He so. did. He didn't sound very well this morning. Yeah. Oh, bless him. But nonetheless, somehow he is going to be dragging his sorry, spluttery bottom to the Property Investor Awards tonight, which all three of us are going to. Yay! Yeah, it's going to be amazing. This is going to be the first time the three of us have been in a room as a podcast at like a non-us event in I don't know how long or ever. It's been a very long, even since we were in the same room together, never mind anything else. Yeah, true. Yeah. That's been ages. So we we do need to get some uh, some pictures and some social media fodder tonight. Guaranteed we'll probably forget, but we'll try. <laughs> also, yeah, also, I think we'll get it done early. Get uh, it done early before the beer goggles go on. Absolutely. Be like, oh, this would make a great photograph. And there's you spewing into a plant pot and me like swinging <laughs> off a chandelier or something. Like... <laughs> Property Love jam it. in the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in the absence of Matt and yeah, sending you healing hugs, Matt. And um, hopefully we'll see you looking in all posh and refined later on. Um and ready to infect an entire room of people um yeah we wanted to talk about a really human side of property topic that I think is is relevant now more than ever and do you know what this was actually this is on the back of Sam Norris so he is the he was on recently he was on Property Jam he's a mortgage broker by profession you know got a strong social media following and he also is the host of the game of loans podcast which um you know I've uh, guested on as a host and stuff and and been on as well and uh, just an absolute legend but he posted something the other day that really made me go hmm he did a poll and it was about property education and it was like do you need it um and he gave various options it was like no you don't like you can learn it on social media just do a course or a mentor or both. There was all these different options, right? Mm-hmm. And what was interesting, I think it was around 40% of people said you need a course and you need a mentor in order to do property nowadays, right? And I was thinking, well, we're going to bring bias to that because we're in the property education industry. 100%. 
But what I think what's interesting about our perspective is I, I do think you need to learn it. I, I just think property's hard and, you know, plugging into something where people have tried, tested, been there, done it, got the T-shirt and hold your hand is just like a no brainer. Right. But I come at that from a, a bias of gone through, going through that process. I've never tried it another mm-hmm. way. But what I was thinking was, is like, we have the benefit of seeing those that are really good at this, you know, th- those that really go on to succeed and those that really struggle, even if they do courses, even if they have a mentor and fail. So like, what, what is it? What's that thing that, that makes people successful, makes people fail? Like, what is that human element? Yeah, I think, yeah, you definitely make a good point because we've all seen people that have done training courses and training course after training course and actually never do anything with it. Yeah. Um, and like you said, never become successful as, as a result. Yet there are also people who have never taken a training course, have never had a mentor and still make it work. Right. Um, so yes, like you, obviously we're going to be biased on the side of training and having a mentor. Um, however, I think it's a lot to do with the mindset of the person and the situation and the circumstances that they're in at that particular time. You know, I think the idea and the thought of becoming a property investor appeals to so many people, but not very, not that many people actually have what it takes to actually become successful. And I think most of the time it's due to people standing in their own way. Mm. You know, if you want, like the old saying, if you want to do it, you'll find a way. If you don't, you'll find an excuse. Yeah. And I think the excuse for a lot of people um, that are not successful <clears throat> or that don't give it their all is that there just probably isn't a big enough want, need or desire to do it. They like the thought, but they don't want to put the action or the effort into it. Mm. Or the perceived risk of it. That's the other thing. Yes. Yeah. Can't invest now because, you know, there's a pandemic going on or the interest rates are rising or Brexit's happening um, or my granny's sick, or I'm about to change my job, or whatever it might be, <clears throat> there will always be a reason not to do it. Mm. Um, it's just convincing yourself and looking at the pros and cons and why you should do it as opposed to why you shouldn't do it. Yeah, definitely. I go along with that. I think when I'm teaching, it's the thing I come back to all the time. I just say to students, yes, all right, the nuts and bolts of the actual getting it done, tips running your numbers researching an area there's a process to all of that stuff and people do do it in different ways Mm -hmm. but just because somebody knows how to do something doesn't mean they're going to so it it comes down every single time for me to desire yeah it comes down to the intention like the only reason someone ever does anything is because they want to do it and yeah like you say I think where property is just this weird thing that's just glamorized on tv it's also sensationalized on tv at both ends of the spectrum you know it's the grand designs you could create this life with this house versus the slum landlords dodgy tenants the whole thing is just broadcast and there's now two million gurus out there claiming making millions overnight and all that stuff so there's this real sort of aspirational side to property but there's also a darker side to property and that's in our faces continuously yes and I just think that it it glamorizes and sells something that just looks like it can be done anyone any old person can do it and I, I really don't think it's down to competence I think it's down to desire I really do because if you 
when the shit hits the fan, which it does, we know it, we've been there, done it, got the t-shirt on numerous occasions in property, the desire to keep going because your reason is big enough will overcome those challenges. Yeah. If you have a really massive win in property, like you had to do a great flip or came in under budget or people just queuing out the door to like rent your property before the refurb's even finished or you've just refinanced and like pulled all your money out whatever the win is mm-hmm. that taps into the desire to then keep going because it's fueled that fire and you're like this works it's not yeah. all hard and then and then you get you you scale up because you've got confidence that you know what you're doing is working if you don't have the desire whether it's whichever end of the spectrum you're at whether it's wins or or losses you just ain't gonna crack on yeah and no mentor trainer or coach will ever be able to change that that has to come from the person themselves you know you you cannot you cannot um convince someone or give them the the desire that they need that has to come from within that's right and and i think the, the as well as that because there is so much on social media now because there's so much online so i agree with sam's comment to a certain extent that you can find all the information and the help that you need uh on social media or online without perhaps having to do a training course however you don't know what you don't know that's right um, so if you don't know what questions to ask, how are you going to find the answer? You know, yeah. there's a there's a lot of involved with um, property investing um, that you won't know until you're in the middle of it. Yeah. Um, and that can only be done by actually doing it. Um, so that I think that is definitely a big player in it. And as as well as that, I think as well as the desire, I think the desire usually comes from. Um, a traumatic event um, or something in a person's life that pushes them to change their current situation. Um, And if you see this again and again, and most people, not everyone, but most people will wait, my present uh, company included, will wait for a significant event to happen before they will start to look for alternative, alternative solutions. 100%. Same. For me, for me, it was when when my dad passed away. That was the instigator or the kick in the ass that I needed to go out and to change what I was doing. Um, I had no clue, really, what that was going to look like in the end or where I would end up. I just knew that I couldn't or didn't want to carry on the way I was. Um, so I just looked for. For me, at that point, I guess the easiest route to the answers was through a training company. Um, and through having a mentor and then building a network around that. Not everybody goes down that route, obviously, but that was the easiest way that I could think of at that time um, because I didn't know where to start. I had never invested in property. I didn't have a clue about any of it. Um, And every day is a school day. I'm still learning new things every single day. Um, So without doing that, I don't know if I ever would have done it on my own. Yeah. I think that's it as well. There's a there's something in it as re- as well about if something traumatic does happen to you and it is the reason you turn to property to kind of change your life. There's something about wanting to lean into a process that knowing that a, somebody or a group of people just have got your back because you're on the back of something probably quite difficult. 
yeah so where you've had to be so strong to get through it so then it's like right well I need to now lean into a group of people to help me get through this because I I haven't got the emotional energy to you know to to deal with this on top of like grief or change or yeah whatever whatever's gone on so um and yeah it's the whole knowing where to start thing isn't it I mean god that that's such a big question and do you know what's really funny sometimes I'll have taught a room of students for like three days and they get to the end of it and they're like right where do I start I'm like I've just shown I've just <laughs> yeah I've just spent three you. days telling you <laughs> <laughs> are you or when you tell people that there is no magic formula there yeah. is no quick route to success um and they're like yeah but what about what is it really you know what is that magic formula <laughs> like it doesn't exist it's yeah. not there and as, as well as that I guess for for people that even people that have a drive and they want to do it there is the shiny penny syndrome as well that mm. will distract a lot of people um and I guess the people that are going to be successful it might slow them down without having the right people around them but for the people that don't have the drive or the actual uh, wherewithal to do it it just there's too many distractions too many shiny pennies and they just jump about from one thing to the other and never actually focus on anything mm. um or on one specific thing we I see it as well for people that are even when people have sp uh, selected a strategy that they're happy with you have to in my view you have to pick one stick to it perfect it and become comfortable confident and comfortable within that strategy before you start looking at anything else um but then it comes down to where do you start? Like as in what area do you look into? Yeah. And then people start looking at Manchester and Liverpool and London and Birmingham and Newcastle and they never actually refine it enough to actually pick one and run with it. Because yeah. you cannot look at the whole country and try and find something that works. Yeah, 100%. And do you know what? That's one of the reasons I think people get stuck as well is because of that overwhelm that comes with the where to start that because I think in the early days even though you might have desire the chances I think if you've just got desire alone with no backup the risk of making more mistakes earlier is just increased so much so therefore the risk of failure is higher because you just don't like you say you you don't know what you don't know so you might start researching an area or go off the back of someone who's got a three-bed buy to let in Manchester and think well obviously it works in Manchester just randomly buy something and then mm -hmm. can't fill it or have nightmare builders whatever the, the issue might be and then you only that will the desire to kind of overcome that learning on the job uh, approach is what's going to keep it is what's going to keep you going but I think the risk of failure and the one of the biggest reasons people don't succeed is because of that overwhelm it's like the first hurdle like okay Manchester but where in Manchester okay Manchester but what kind of tenant type okay finance okay it's just all of these different elements and all of a sudden you're like shit I'm at my depth here like yeah. I've got a nine-to-five job and a family like how am I <laughs> this is not I've, I've gone on YouTube it's kind of told me what I need to do but I've got this one question about this one house in this one area that I just like no one's given me the answer to um yeah it's it's just I think that's a big reason why people struggle yeah no I, I agree with that it's um and I think people as well even if people start the process uh without knowing what they're doing and then they come against a problem or an issue whatever it might be uh whether it be working with builders or the 
the purchasing process or lenders or anything like that, if they don't have someone to lean on or someone to ask a question to, you know, they, they, it's, it's a lonely old world out there in uh, being a property investor by yourself. So there are so many things that will crop up and it will stop people in their tracks because they think, oh, I can't do this. It's too difficult. Whereas there might be a really easy solution to the problem, which would be resolved by just having a network of people around you or a mentor or a coach or something, someone that you can rely on. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, I guess if, if someone doesn't have the desire to do it or the um, the big enough drive to do it, then they'll be looking for excuses not to carry on. Mm. Yeah, and it's, you're right. It's it's it, you, yeah, you're you're actively looking for like opportunity to fail to kind of like not commit. And it's that old <clears throat> adage, isn't it? It's like you decide, you commit, you succeed, which links mm-hmm. into the whole. You have a strategy, you stick to it, you make, you get results. Right? It's exactly the same thing you said. But I think we always talk about the why and having a why I mean like that that wording literally makes me twitch in my clothes but like there's got to be a reason the desire comes from somewhere yeah what is it that's fueling that desire is it like you've gone through something traumatic is it like you've you've just got this big big ambition to just be wealthy because you've experienced not being wealthy like you've had extreme poverty in your life your upbringing was so deprived mm-hmm. and you're like I don't want that for me in the future I don't want that for the next generation I want to create a legacy sometimes it's more charitable but when when things are hard tapping into that to kind of refuel the old desire I think is so 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 important I've worked with clients in the past I mean often you know they're property people but I'll be working with them on professional speaking or I'll be working with them on like social media stuff and they're only ever gonna they like the idea of being visible on social media they like the idea of talking to camera they like the idea of building a following Mm -hmm. but the desire is not there so therefore they don't execute they don't do what it is I'm telling them to do or I'm asking them to do or or I'm coaching them through and again it's just because they don't want it enough I think, yeah, yeah, you, and you made a good point there about um, about finances and poverty, and uh, you know, having more security and stability from a financial standpoint. I think there is also uh, an element of those that are not desperate for the cash don't really have the same drive as those that are uh, on the breadline, if you like. Because you don't, we all know you, you you don't need money in your own bank account to be able to make it work. Mm. But those people that have the security and have the the comfort blanket of money mm. um, won't have the same push or drive to actually make it work because the the desire, the need to do it, is not as paramount as when someone doesn't have any money. Couldn't agree more. In fact, that's if I was to kind of look at a room and sort of qualify after about a day of teaching them who's going to be good at this and who should probably step back from it it tends to be the ones who don't have the money Mm -hmm. but their desire to change their life is so strong yeah their desire for better is like it feels like there's a situation or a circumstance where their back is against the wall 
And if they don't make this change now, they're never going to make it. And they will, I always say, it doesn't matter about the time and it doesn't about the money. It doesn't matter because if the desire is strong enough, you find both. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's, uh, is it Robert Kiyosaki says, like when it comes to money and to uh, either paying for training or buying property or investing, instead of saying, I can't afford it or I can't do it, you need to change that around and say, how can I afford it and how can I do it? So it's just changing the wording and changing the mindset and the, the, the belief system that there is an abundance of money in this world. There is an abundance of opportunities out there, or there are abundance of opportunities out there. Um, so why why not? Why can't I have some of that? Mm. You know, mm. so how, how do I get my hands on it? How do I get the money that's it's numbers on a sheet at the end of the day, really, <laughs> in essence? How do I get those numbers onto my bank account? Yeah, without a doubt. And that again, you're right, it's belief and mindset and a sense of deserving it. And do you know what? While you were talking, something else occurred to me. I was just thinking about people in our industry who I've watched grow and who I, you know, surround myself by. And I was thinking of the ones that I see doing really well are the ones who are not afraid to be visible. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, it doesn't mean, I don't necessarily mean on social media, but they are not afraid to talk to, to people that they need to talk to, to get, to, to expand, you know? So, um, Will Mallard actually comes to mind. I don't know why. I think it's because I'm seeing him later at the the Property Investor Awards, but also because I, I recently went to um, a, a barbecue of his in, in, in May Deville. It was a property barbecue. And for those of you that don't know Will, Will's big in social housing and um, big, does big development schemes in kind of assisted living and social housing. And he's just, this Kiwi guy who's come over and just killed it in property. And he's working with some amazing care providers and he's just changing the world. He's doing amazing. And I didn't really know much about him other than he, we had mutual friends. But what I watched him do was he sort of, he just kind of networked the room. And what he had not, was not only a bunch of people that were doing what he's doing and could all speak on his behalf because they could vouch for his credibility in the industry. But when he was talking, he was so clear on what it was that he did. And he was, he was, he was not shy. He wasn't mm -hmm. embarrassed about talking about his wealth or what it is he's done. And, but also equally curious to hear what you do and see if there's a, an, an opportunity for, for, for working together or helping each other. And you're like, so many people get shy and don't put themselves out there at networking events or go on social media or build those relationships or set up a network or have a mastermind group. Cause it's just, it just feels like you're bragging or that this is something you just, I don't know, like you should just be good at. And they're, it's like, they're too afraid to ask for help. And I think the ones that I see who just freaking kill it in property are the ones who are happy to make mistakes, put themselves out there, connect with people and f just go for it on top of knowledge and stuff, you know? Yeah. So I think it, it, it's basically it, that is, is imposter syndrome to an extent, isn't it? Oh yeah. But where people don't feel like they are good enough or successful enough or have enough properties in their portfolio to be at that networking event and to be uh, schmoozing and liaising and talking about their two little buy to lets to a developer who has hundreds of them. Um, and I, I, to be to be honest, I, it that does impact me as well at times. Um, and I, yeah, everyone will. I remember especially um, 
the one that sticks in my mind the most is getting back into some form of normality after lockdown. Um, so after being cooped up inside for so long and doing everything on Zoom and virtually, uh, the very first time that I went on site uh, to a, a refurb that we were doing, and uh, because I'd been so long before a sensor could actually get there, everyone was there. So the plumbers, the plasterers, the builders, the electrician, everybody turned up. And I was getting questions and queries thrown at me right, left and center. Mm. And I didn't know the answer to all of the questions, which really, really bugged me at the time. Because yeah. it's like in, in my head, which is completely <laughs> ridiculous, in my head at that point, I was like, I haven't a clue what I'm doing here right now. Yeah. I don't know the answers to these questions. These guys are going to think that I'm a complete fake um, and know nothing. And I just left site that afternoon in a very bad mindset a really really negative depressive state if oh, you like <laughs> it was I was so anxious um but you know just thinking about thinking back on it it was completely normal you know I hadn't been on site for such a long time you know the, the project and the people that I was meeting they were just asking pretty standard questions you don't need to know all of the answers to all of the questions all of the time you just get the information that they need and pass it back later you know um, but in that scenario, at that time, I felt like a duck, a fish out of water. Oh, I totally relate to that. It's just, I cannot stand it. Even now, <laughs> and the, even now, if somebody asks a question and I don't know the answer, it's taken me years to step into being okay with saying I don't know. Yes, I struggle with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And actually, it's it's crazy because... It's, actually, I mean, it's, it's even more ludicrous because in our industry where we are teaching or, you know, especially if I'm, you know, coaching or mentoring people in professional speaking, if they are in a Q&A situation where a question gets forwarded up, that situation of I don't know is bound to present itself. And I am more than happy to coach and mentor somebody through how to handle that, right? Yeah. But when it's me, I still get that, oh, you know, but what I do now, I think, is I trust that, I think I have enough confidence in myself to kind of laugh it off in the moment go do you know I actually don't know the answer to that leave it with <laughs> me leave it with me I'm gonna look into it and I'll come back to you but I'm also so much more okay with the shit that I don't like and the shit that I can't do and the shit that I don't want to do so if there's a bit of proper it this takes so long I think to slip into this these slippers you know of like what you're good at what you struggle with what you like about the industry what you don't like and so being able to own that without just saying, oh, yeah, no, I know the answer to that, or I do that all the time. Actually, no, I'm so okay now with saying I hate the whole pre-refurb bit. I'm okay with saying that now, whereas before I felt like if I said that in a room of other investors, I would have looked like some unprofessional, shitty, useless person, mm -hmm. and you're not. You know, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, just get me get me back to brick and then then I'm happy. And at that point, I, I just come alive. But up until that point, honestly, I could sack the whole thing off. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, <laughs> and I think there's the ones I see who are really. Uh, they overcome that fear of not knowing of, of fear of failure, but. Also, there's another thing here as well. They are so OK with figuring out what they're doing from other people like leveraging other people's skills and I think that's yeah. another thing as well like they're really really good at yeah and I think that that's something as well that that sometimes people forget 
myself included, is that you you cannot and you will not know everything. You cannot be good at everything. So you can't be good at the finances and the refurbs and the networking and everything that goes with it. You know, there are elements of it and parts of the process where you will need help from other people. Mm. Um, and as a, as a prime example, when it comes to the fine detail with the numbers. Mm. So on a, a, on a broader level, I, I'm overview level, I'm fine with that. But when it gets into the very fine tuning, nitty gritty numbers, yeah. that is not my bag. And I'm quite happy to let somebody else do that who is actually good at it and likes it and enjoys it and will get the right result at the end. Um, and so, so that's one of the things that obviously with Matt and I working together, he is uh, a whiz kid when it comes to the numbers and spreadsheets and stuff. So I just leave that to him. Yeah. Uh, that's so this is another reason why people are super good at property because they really learn they they have a self-awareness and so they they delegate what they can't do or can do but shouldn't be doing that's another point yeah you know you can be really skilled at something but just because you can do it let's just say you're good at every element of property let's just say that you're just one of those people who's just so capable it doesn't mean you necessarily should be doing it so yeah. it's those people that really know their strengths, delegate their weaknesses, um, have the desire um, and that, that drive um, and that motivation, that reason why they're doing it. Um, and th- yeah, and that's, that's, they're the ones that I see get success. And I think ego, I, this is probably a lover point, I think comes into it as well. I saw a post on Instagram the other day and it said, most people don't succeed because they're frightened to start, be seen to start small. Yeah, yeah, yes, I can, I get that, yeah. It links to the point you just made, you know, that at the time it made sense that you didn't know what you didn't know because you'd been away from it or, do you know what I mean? Like, you you only know what you know at a certain point and it does mean there's always going to be someone who's further along the pathway than you, especially in the early days when the lure of doing much bigger projects and the temptation to get that shiny penny syndrome run off and do something really big ahead of being ready mm-hmm. <laughs> sets in you don't want to be that investor who's just doing buy to lets knowing that you could get into development. Yeah. Right. You, 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 you minimize raising 15,000 pounds on your first ever project because you think, well, it should be 150,000 pounds. No, it's just like, just own it, just own it, own where you are. And, and everybody who was ever good at anything had to learn how to do it. And it's that whole, Malcolm Gladwell outliers 10,000 hours of of just repeating the same shit until you get good at something right yeah exactly and even even those people that are doing the bigger stuff or have a larger portfolio they all have to start somewhere right you know they didn't just wake up one morning and have a portfolio of properties (laughs) to their name you know it it just doesn't happen so many fuck-ups would have led to that point right so many learnings yeah and And I guess that's another that's another negative or another issue that I have with the social media thing is that what people put on social media and we've talked about this before they just show you the fantastic the amazing end product they don't tell you the six months of hell that went before that to get to that stage yeah. So when people are just looking online and they see all these amazing projects and the end product, and they're like, "Oh, I could never do that." Yeah. Or even worse, I could do that, and you're like, "No, <laughs> <laughs> I could do that as my first one." Yeah. It was actually uh, we had our Brighton property meet on on Thursday, 
and uh, a new guy turned up who's actually a builder um, wanting to get into property. And he was telling us about um, a project that he was doing for somebody else, a complete novice who uh, starting off on his first HMO in Brighton in an Article 4 area where the council really don't like HMOs. And he pretty much fucked the whole thing up. Excuse oh, my French. Um, but <laughs> the, the thing that stood out from the, from the conversation that we had about it was this particular person, I don't know who it was um, or even where in Brighton it was. It just happened to be talked about. But um, the, he tried to hide the fact that he had a seventh bedroom in the property when the inspector came around to view it. Oh, God. So he told them it was a six bed. It was actually a seven bed or an eight bed. I can't remember which. But um, when the inspector turned up, the bedroom was actually kitted out as a bedroom. He didn't even try to hide it. He just he just locked the door. Because that means it doesn't count when you lock the door. Exactly. You know, if, if you can't see behind the door, it doesn't exist. It's like Narnia. It's not there. <laughs> Hang on, was it tenanted? So, wasn't tenanted. This was when he was applying for licensing and everything. Okay. And got the HMO inspectorate around. And um, the guy was like, so what's, what's behind this door? <laughs> uh, so he had to open it, obviously, and walks into another bedroom with an ensuite, fully kitted out that he hadn't declared on any of his plans or um, on his applications. <laughs> so they were like, um, what is this? Where did this bedroom appear from? <laughs> so it cost him an absolute arm and a leg then, in, both in time and money and planning phase, delays and everything. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if he ever actually got the approvals that he needed, because like I say, it is very, very tricky with with Brighton Council. So, um, <laughs> yeah, he may have created a HMO that he cannot fill. I mean, wow. It's stuff like <laughs> that, isn't it? It's it's stuff like that, because even understanding the difference between licensing and planning can be a total head fuck. Like, well, do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's, it, take, um, and, and it takes time to understand the difference, because just because you're dealing with the same council doesn't mean that the two departments are speaking to each other. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, yeah. But well, that, they don't, that's... do they? They never speak to each other. And and the fact that I think people make the mistake of thinking that the license applies to the property, actually, you know, it applies to the person who's actually yeah. applying for the license. And, of course, then the constituent parts of the property comes into that, like how many people you're applying to be a landlord uh, or a license holder for and responsible mm -hmm. for versus planning, which is about the building. You know, mm -hmm. And it's like just understanding the difference between the two is just... I tell head fact. And so, yeah. And I think, again, right. I think people, there are people out there who just learn on the job. Like I never forget. I did this. I did this. <laughs> I always think about the, the, the different ways people are successful. So my journey into property was quite steady and slow. And it was, mm -hmm. it, you know, I feel that I was so scared in the early days. I was all about knowledge, 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 hand holding, hand holding, hand holding, then first offer accepted and then achieve success after that point. It was very by the book. It was very academic, my journey. I did a three-day course of a guy called Scotty and Scotty was an ex-Marine who just bright ginger beard, like just buckets of energy for day, days. Like on day two of a, a course that we did, uh, that we were attended together he was abseiling down the side of the, the building for, for charity because some bloke just asked him to and it was like he, he's that kind of fella and <laughs> I remember we were going to this quarterly network meeting and it had been about three months since we'd started this course together he'd already bought two vitalets 
it, it just wow. went out and just smashed it. And I had done fuck all because I was just still learning and wanted to be the bookworm and learn properly. And he was like, why haven't you bought anything yet? And I'm like, because I don't know enough. And he was like, oh, come on, Joe. Like, there's just excuses. And herein lies the difference. There's no one way to do property. But what I would say is the one thing that Scotty and I had in common, the reason we got on so well is because our desire to be successful was the same, but how we went about it was completely different. Mine was very much the slow and steady, like it was the tortoise route. Mm -hmm. His was very much the hare. Learn on the job, throw yourself into it, fuck it up, lose a few thousand, crack on. Overall, you'll get you'll get your money back in the end. That's that was his logic. And but our desire was was unrivaled in terms of its it was the same. Yeah. Yeah, that's very interesting, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's yeah, so I think we've we've kind of come come right around the houses there with that one. <laughs> and, and yeah, see what I did there? <laughs> and and as Matt is not here to to bring us to a halt and to tell us when when we've talked too much or gone off tangent or you know keep us in control, I think I may have to do that today. Are you playing daddy today? I am going to play daddy today. So I think we have probably come to the end of the podcast for today. So, Joe, how would you summarize the whole thing from what we've been talking about? I mean, listen, there's a whole bunch of ways you can get into property, whether you learn on the job and figure it out mm -hmm. yourself or whether you school up and get support. There's no right or wrong. Uh, I think one is slightly easier, but irrespective is the desire's got to be there. Yeah, I completely agree. You have to have that desire and drive to do it. Um, otherwise, you're just wasting your time. Yeah, you won't succeed. Simple. Yes. And on that bombshell, it's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from me. Come and jam with us on social media where you can hear more and see more. On Facebook, search Property Jam Podcast. Or you can follow us on Instagram at Property Jam Podcast. Or you can email us at Property Jam Podcast at Outlook.com. See, See you on the next, next episode. episode.